Turn to the book of Ezekiel, chapter 47. To all our guests, thank you for being here. Amen. I don't know how far I'm going to get today. I'm a minister. I'm a preach. I'm a teach. I may get through. I may not get through. But we'll see what the Lord wants to do today. I feel like he wants to do something special. I believe that God is releasing a mighty river of his presence and power in our land. A constant spiritual flow that gets deeper and deeper and deeper. And Ezekiel witnesses this when he sees something that had never existed in the temple before. A river flowing directly from the temple. We started this journey last Sunday and I want to continue today. So let's read Ezekiel chapter 47. And I am going to read nine verses this morning. Then he brought me back to the door of the temple and behold water was issuing from below the threshold of the temple toward the east. For the temple faced east. Now that's key you got to understand, this water was flowing east. The water was flowing down from below the south end of the threshold of the temple, south of the altar. Then he brought me out by way of the north gate and led me around on the outside to the outer gate that faces toward the east. And behold, the water was trickling out on the south side. Going on eastward with a measuring line in his hand, the man measured a 1,000 cubits, 1,500 feet. And it led me through the water, and it was ankle deep. Again, he measured a thousand and led me through the water, and it was knee deep. And again, he measured a thousand and led me through the water, and it was waist deep. Again, he measured a thousand, and it was a river that I could not pass through, for the water had risen. It was deep enough to swim in, a river that could not be passed through. And he said to me, Son of man, have you seen this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. As I went back, I saw on the bank of the river very many, of the river, very many trees on the one side and on the other. And he said unto me, this water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Erba. There you go. And enters the sea. And when the water flows into the sea, the water will become fresh. And wherever the river goes, every living creature that swarms will live. And there will be many fish. There will be many souls. For this water goes there, that the waters of the sea may become fresh, so everything will live where the river goes. Ezekiel saw the water as it rose and became a mighty river that brought life, healing, and deliverance to a dry and thirsty land. So today I want to talk on this topic. The river is rising 2.0. 2.0 is used to denote a superior, more advanced version of an original concept. So today, we'll dive in. One more time, lift your voice with me. God, I need your anointing today. God, I need your power. God, I need your power. God, I need your power. Give somebody a high five, and you may be seated this morning. 
book of Ezekiel is written from a prophet's perspective in captivity in Babylon. Ezekiel, whose name means God strengthens or sustains, is commissioned in chapters 1 through 3 to preach about the captivity of Israel. And in this, we see God's desire to keep who he is and who they were fresh in the Israelites' minds. Because it would be easy for the Israelites to blend in to a Babylonian society. But they weren't meant to conform to their surroundings. So God reminds the Israelites of their coming judgment if they just become a part of society and don't obey his commands. Please hear me clearly. It has never been and will never be the will of God for his people to just fit in. No, ma'am, no, sir. He has called us to stand out. And throughout the Old Testament, God gave the Israelites laws and covenants and apparel that made them uniquely different from others. And then Jesus shows up fulfilling the law and gives us these words in Matthew 5 after the Beatitudes. Matthew 5 and 13. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltlessness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Before the advent of refrigeration, people used salt to preserve food. It slowed the decaying process. Notice that Jesus didn't tell them, you are the salt of the shaker. We got too many people that's in the building today, and you just want to be salt while you're in the shaker. He made us salt so that we can go out into the world and preserve a dying world that doesn't have any hope. Some of us need to stop being salt of the shaker and go out and be salt of the earth. Hey, if you can only witness and pray and talk to God in here, then you're doing it all wrong. you got to change your mindset. Since it's under the curse of sin, the earth is like a decaying piece of meat. And salt can't preserve meat if it stays in the shaker. For salt to lose its taste is to lose its uniqueness. Believers are to be salt in a decaying world. But if you become too mixed up with the world and allow its values to affect you, you will lose your uniqueness as a Christian and your ability to make a kingdom difference. Remember Sodom and Gomorrah? You know why they were destroyed? Not, because, not only because they had wicked people, but also because there wasn't enough righteous people to stand in the middle of Sodom and Gomorrah and prevent God's judgment. God needs some people to stand up and say, hey, we're not ready for judgment yet. We're going to stand in the gap. We're going to pray for people that are lost and broken and tired and weary. It doesn't matter where you are. As long as you never forget whose you are. Doesn't matter. You can walk into any circumstance, in any situation, as long as you remember who you belong to. Matthew 5, 14 through 15, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all, to all in the house. In other words, there are no covert secret agent Christians in the kingdom of God. So I've got a question. Are you a light among your family and acquaintances? Are you a light at work and at the gym? Well, I'm just going to work out, Pastor. You got to be a light. You ain't got to shove the gospel down people's throat. But when you walk into that gym, you need to let people know, hey, something's different about me. The Holy Spirit that resides 
in my life? Are we a light in our culture, in our community? Because to hide a light is contradictory to the purpose that God has put on our lives. No man hides a light under a bushel. Listen, I'm not, I'm not trying to be rude today, but we can't become so saved and sanctified that we're not making a difference in our, in our communities and our culture. Matthew 5 and 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others. There it is. Who's your others? Who needs your light so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven? Our distinction, convictions, devotion, and holiness. You ready? Should not be unto people in the church. It should be unto the Lord that makes us a light to others. And anytime we make it unto men, it's wrong and misguided because it's just pride and pretense. Jesus condemned the Pharisees not for their acts of devotion, but because they performed them to impress other religious people. And not only did they live by a long list of religious do's and don'ts, they also kept a scorecard on others who didn't live up to their list and denounced them for not measuring up. And some of us have grown up in homes and churches that do the same thing. And when the word holiness is mentioned, we get nervous and think of Christians with somber faces and fingers pointed in accusation. That's not biblical holiness. That's legalism, and the Bible condemns it. To understand what true holiness is, is to think of the word contamination. It's one of every hospital's greatest concerns. It's why every doctor in the operating room insists that their surgical instruments be constantly sterilized, caps, gowns, and gloves worn, and the environment in the room maintained at a temperature where germs can't live. Are you getting the picture? Now adjust your lens a little bit, and you'll see the spiritual application. True holiness does not isolate you from the world. It insulates you from the world. In other words, we can't allow this world to determine who we are. We can't adopt their values, their beliefs, or their standards of morality because we have a king, and we have the decrees of that king, and we've got to stand on what the king says no matter what's going on in our world. Let me explain it further in Scripture. First, Timothy, First Peter 2 and 9, I'm sorry. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Out of darkness. We're not special because of who we are, but because of the one to whom we belong. And, and along with this new identity, God's people are to live a new lifestyle, proclaiming the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. In other words, we are to serve as an advertising agency tasked with sharing the message of the love of Christ if he did it for me he could do it for you if he brought me out he could bring you out if he called me he can call you if he's anointed me he can anoint you if he did it for come on I gotta get some people to believe not only does he want to do it for you but he wants to do it for those you're connected to he wants the same joy you feel to be in their life the same anointing you feel to be in their life the same power you feel. watch this 1 Peter 2 and 10 which in time past were not a people but now the people of God which had not obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy we are meant to be different. I'm glad today that I'm unique. 
And I want to encourage you today in a world where we put so much emphasis on being liked, accepted, and wanted, you weren't meant to fit in. It's not just a good thing not to fit in. It's a God thing. So I want you to straighten your shoulders. Stand up tall. Let the light of Jesus radiate from you and get out there and stand out. The world needs your uniqueness. The world needs your light to shine. The world needs your testimony. The river will only rise and favor will flow as long as there are disciples with distinctions. Walk into a place and say, hey, you sick? Let me pray for you. Lay your hand on somebody's shoulder. God challenges Ezekiel and warns him at the same time about what will happen if his people blend in with society. This happens throughout chapters 4 through 24. Then from chapters 25 through 32, the judgment of the other nations is prophesied. And finally, we turn to chapters 33 through 48, and these are the chapters of renewal, revival, and restoration. Proving God's perfect holiness and intolerance of continual sin, yet also his unfailing love for the people he had set apart for himself. If you're alive, God still has got purpose for your life. He doesn't hate you. He hasn't thrown you away. If you're here today, he's given you an opportunity at a grace that he... He desires and wants you to have. Watch this. First off, next time you look at somebody and you're like, man, those people are weird. Go read the Bible. Ezekiel's having this vision, and he's taken up to this very high mountain. And he saw this brilliant figure, undoubtedly an angel whose appearance was like bronze. That's, that's, that's out there. And he was holding a measuring rod. And commanding the prophet to write down everything he was about to hear and see. The future revealed to Ezekiel includes a rebuilt temple where God's people will worship him in spirit and truth under the rule of Jesus Christ. Many believe in a literal fulfillment of the prophecy of Ezekiel's temple. Most expect a temple to be established in the millennial kingdom. A thousand year reign of Christ upon the earth. But I believe there's a figurative meaning to this as well. Jesus didn't die. And rise again, so we'll just go back to a physical temple. Did you hear me? Jesus did not die. Get out of a grave, a sin, and pour out his spirit in the book of Acts chapter 2 so that we'll just show up at a temple and say, we have arrived. Instead, he rose again, ascended, and gave us the Holy Spirit so that we will be temples everywhere we go. He wants his church to be movable temples. Everywhere we go, our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit. The word even says we are lively stones built up as a spiritual house. Watch this. Ezekiel 47, a river is shown to him. Ezekiel was, he saw something that had never existed in the temple before. A river flowing directly from the temple. In Scripture, water is often tied to life and the work of the Holy Spirit. And the city of God where this temple is is in Jerusalem. you got to catch this. And while it was a very beautiful place, it didn't have a river running through it like other major cities and countries of that day had. Babylon had the Euphrates. It was built around the Euphrates. Egypt had the Nile. But Jerusalem did not have a physical river, but it had something even better. It had the flowing presence coming out of Jerusalem. You got you to gotta catch this. It wasn't about a physical river. It was about a spiritual river. A river flowing from Jerusalem out into the world. Preacher, you lost your mind. What are you talking about? Let me take you to the book of Acts and prove to you what's going on. 
You ready? When Jesus showed up, people who came in contact with him were healed, made whole, and delivered. Am I right? Look, the Pharisees couldn't stand him because he went to where the broken were. He created a place at his table for anybody that was wounded, battered. That's why I never want the river to change. If anybody that walks into this place should be able to have a place at our table. Come on, I need somebody to agree with me. The church has got to be a multi-level church. There's got to be a place for everybody in the kingdom of God. We don't have time for finger pointing. We don't have time for haters. We don't have time for people that think they need to line people out. Get the word out. Sit down with somebody and teach them the word. And let the Holy Spirit do what it wants to do. Jesus brought life wherever he went, not death. He didn't go around destroying people and being like, man, look at your life. Bro, you a mess. If you don't get it together, I'm not talking to you anymore. Look, we can't hang out. I don't like you. You live in sin. No, he went around. He said, you know what? They got a woman at a well in Samaria. And I've got to go through Samaria because if I can reach this one woman, she's going to be the witness that is going to turn Samaria upside down. And some of us have got to get the revelation that there is one person connected to us that can turn a community, that can turn their situation and their surroundings upside down. He brought life wherever he went. And that's why it's intriguing to me that when he speaks these words, In John 14 and 12, that I've got to pay attention to him. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. There it is. I've got to be a soul winner. And greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. Now, obviously, obviously, he's not stating or he's not saying that his followers will be more powerful than him. If you think you're more powerful than Jesus, give me a second. We're going to call 911. Listen, we're ambassadors. We're full of his spirit. We bring Jesus wherever we go. But if you come in here and say, I'm Jesus, straight to jail. The Messiah already showed up. Jesus already showed up on this earth, did what he needed to do. They crucified him and buried him. And three days later, he got up and showed himself alive by many infallible proofs. And then he was sent to heaven. Getting ahead of myself. We aren't God. Tap your neighbor. Tell him you're not God. Some of you need to tap, tap your spouse on the shoulder and tell her you ain't God. Oh, man, I'm helping marriages right now. Trying to tell me what to do all the time. Sometimes you got to look at your spouse and say, get in alignment with the word of God. Get in alignment with the word of God. And look, you got to get that old school preacher voice when you said, you got to be like, get in alignment with the word of God. Y'all know exactly. Those people, they get in the pulpit, their whole voice changes. Hey, going to get something from the Lord today. Hey, 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 hey. Listen, I I heard of the Holy Spirit doing a lot of things. I ain't never heard of it making somebody's voice deeper. Hey. (laughs) 
We aren't God and never will be. Rather, Jesus was talking about the scope of impact. His travels were limited. Even though he was God robed in the flesh, he was still only one person. And the number of people who heard his voice were limited. But he said soon he was going to raise up a multitude of people filled with his spirit who could expand across the world, bringing revival to formerly dead places. How was he going to do this? Well, he tells us, John 7, 38 through 39. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. He said, I'm a feel. He said, I'm only, I'm only one person trying to bring living water to a whole world. He said, but I'm getting ready to fill a whole bunch of people with my spirit. And everywhere they go, there's going to be rivers of living water that's going to be flowing out of them. But watch this. You got to catch verse 39. What is he talking about? He's talking about the Holy Spirit. Look, which they that believe on him should receive. If we believe, we should receive. Boy, I don't went from a preacher to a rapper. If you believe, you shall receive. About to drop a beat up in here. But catch this. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Then you go to Luke 24 and 49. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Now I go back to Ezekiel's vision to where he has this vision of, the, of a river flowing out of the temple at Jerusalem and going out into a world. And everywhere the river goes, it brings life. And then Jesus said, out of your bellies is going to flow rivers of living water. The Holy Ghost hadn't been given yet, but it's going to start at Jerusalem. After I go, go to Jerusalem and don't leave. You be empowered and endued with power from on high. And then you get to Acts 1 and 8. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Look, I don't claim to be a theologian, but it doesn't seem that complicated. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost part of the earth. Then we get to the book of Acts, chapter 2. They're in this upper room, and they're praying. And the Holy Ghost swept in like a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all 120 that were there. And they begin to speak in this heavenly language. And then they go out, and that river flows from that upper room to 3,000 outside the upper room. And then 3,000. River started rising just like in Ezekiel's vision, and Jesus, just like Jesus said it would. Then we read Acts 2 and 43, and all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. What has happened? If that river started in Acts 2, it has no end, and I'm going to tie this in in a minute, then why aren't we seeing the same miracle signs and wonders that the apostles saw? Do we still believe that he can heal the sick? Do we still believe that cancer is no match for the Holy Spirit? Do we believe the lame can walk? Listen, we have a deaf ministry, but I believe God can still hear the, heal the deaf. I believe it. If it was in the book, we can see it. A lame man is healed in Acts 3, Acts 4 and 31. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. 
And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Acts 5 and 12. Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. Acts 14 and 3. So they remained for a long time speaking boldly for the Lord who bore witness to the word of his grace and granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. It's a problem if we have in church but we're not having demonstration. It's an issue. It means that the river is no longer flowing down our aisles. And if it's not flowing down our aisles, how can it ever get to our communities? Listen, we read in Acts of angels freeing apostles that were in prison. Listen, what kind of testimony would it be if there was a jailbreak today? And God started delivering people that he was calling miraculously. Listen, Philip, my boy Philip, was transported from one place to another by the Spirit. You would trip out if the Holy Spirit took me from this pulpit and took me somewhere else today. I trip out. Dorcas? Oh, yeah. Restored back to life. Demons were cast out. Paul released by an earthquake. Eutychus, he fell out of a window, an upstairs window, and they prayed for him, and God raised him from the dead. Paul got snake bit. Me and him have that in common, and yet he... Yet it didn't affect him. The Bible says he literally shook the viper off in the fire. And revival came to that entire island. And my vision in 2023 is for this area to say what they said about those in the book of Acts. These are those that that turned their world upside down. I don't want ordinary church. I don't want church you can explain. I don't want normal. I don't want usual. I want supernatural. I want to see. The river that flowed through this word should be flowing in this house right now. Are you ready? The book of Acts does not end with an amen. It ends with a to be continued. It doesn't end. That river is getting deeper and deeper and deeper. When you get a chance this week, go read, for, uh, go read about the nine gifts in 1 Corinthians 12. Go read about them. That should be operating in church. There should be prophecy and, and gifts of faith and the gift of healing and the working of miracles. Why? Because we're not an average church. Musicians, you can come. I'm going to close this thing down. I feel a release in the Holy Spirit. But you've got to make a decision. And here's the decision that you've got to make. Are you going to be satisfied with ankle-deep water? But let let me go ahead and tell you, if you just get a little bit of Jesus and you go ankle deep, it's going to be easier for you to find your way back to what you're comfortable with every time something goes wrong in your life. So you can make a choice. You can go out a little bit deeper and you can get knee deep and be a little bit more faithful and read your Bible a little bit more and pray a little bit more. But can I be honest? Knee deep water. It may be a little tougher, but as soon as something happens in your life, we all are guilty because we've been born into sin, shaping into iniquity. If we only go knee deep, if we only show up to the house of God once every three months and we just get a little bit of Jesus to make our conscience feel good and we don't dive in every time something goes wrong in our life, we're going to find ourselves walking back to the shore. Listen, or you can go waist deep. Up to your loins. Waist-deep Christians is those that, that literally, they reproduce. They don't come to just be consumers. They, they show up to be investors. They care about others. 
So they get waist deep. And they start witnessing and they start loving people and they start teaching them a Bible study. But can I tell you, waist deep will only suffice for so long. I've seen people that are soul winners and Bible study teachers not get in over their head and dive all in in this river of the Holy Spirit. And before long, something triggered them and they waded back through the water. Every soul that they won, everybody that they touched, everybody that they told about Jesus, they left them in the water and they went back to the shore. Remember, you can get to judgment one day, and you can tell him, I cast out devils. I was a soul winner. I did good things for the kingdom. And he'll say, depart from me, that work of iniquity. I knew you not. You never went so deep that my current. There's a difference. There's a difference. When you go deep and you dive in and you sell out, you get caught up. In the current of the Holy Spirit. What does the current of the Holy Spirit mean? What that means is that when you go to do something wrong, the Holy Spirit says, hey, hey, hey. Fat Albert here. Don't do that. In over your head is when you get up and you get ready to leave your house and you feel the Holy Spirit saying, you know what, you need to, you need to go here and do this and See, when you go deep, you go beyond your own ability. Romans 8 and 5 says, For those that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but those that are after the Spirit mind the things of the Spirit. Meaning this, Oh God, I want to be a person that follows your Spirit. And if our minds are set on the wrong things, our feet will automatically go the wrong way. And setting your mind is like choosing a a television station. You can watch Channel 5, or you can watch Channel 8, you can't watch both of them at the same time. You have two different channels. One that leads to death and one that leads to life. And every morning you wake up, if you're going to get caught in the current of the Holy Spirit leading your life and guiding your life, I'm talking about when you wake up, you can't make another step without getting in His presence. You can't make another step without getting His Word out. You can't make another step. Now, you're not so radical that you scare people off. So invested that you made up in your mind that you're switching the channel of your mind to the channel of the Spirit and wherever the Lord leads. And then all of a sudden, what is the Spirit saying becomes a common question in my life. And I'm flowing and I'm moving and I'm diving in and I'm invested. A, do- a double-minded man is unstable in all their ways. They're trying to watch two things at one time. Ma'am or sir, can I say this without being mean? you got to make a decision. Because the Bible says to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Well, preacher, explain it. I can't. But I will tell you that in his presence is the fullness of joy. I will tell you that when you go all in, you'll, you'll, you'll have trials. You'll have troubles. But you, when you go all in, you'll never go without peace. You'll never go without joy. You'll always have a smile on your face in every storm. Nobody has to worry about you giving up or throwing in the towel. Watch this. Ezekiel tells us it gets deeper. And the second thing Ezekiel tells us is that the river rises. As it rises, it gets more powerful. Ezekiel 47, 6 through 8. And he said to me, son of man, have you seen this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. And as I went back, I saw on the bank of the river, there were many trees on one side 
and on the other. And he said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region and goes down to the Arabah and enters the sea. And when the water flows into the sea, the water will become fresh. Watch this. The word Arabah indicates a general and barren district, which also ties in Isaiah 41 and 18. I will open rivers in high places and founds in the midst of the valleys. And I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry springs of water. Watch Isaiah 43, 18 through 19. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Listen, and I'm almost done. There are moments we don't understand in life. There are times that we struggle, but you cannot have progress without struggle and sometimes even failure. It's a part of the journey, but if you push through, God is ready to do a new thing in your life today. Hear me, don't let the barrenness worry you and don't let the enemy distract you into thinking this is how it will always be because when the river rises, it rises through mishaps and in the middle of the drought and God makes a way in the middle of a wilderness. I know it's been dry. I know you may have messed up, but if you'll let the river rise, those dry barren places are going to have life in them again. God uses broken, battered, and tattered, and torn people to heal others. And he's making a way today. And when the river rises, communities are formed. Opposites are reconciled. Unity is established. Disease is cured. Addiction is broken. Cities are renewed. Relationships are reconciled. Hope is established. People are blessed. And the unpredictable happens in the kingdom of God. And then he says this, and I'm done. When the river rises, it goes through the barren district. And it runs into the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea is dead because it's got too much salt for anything to live. But I read an article re- recently that said this. It said, it said the sea, the Dead Sea now has life. It's miraculously giving life. It said nothing can live in the Dead Sea because it's too salty. However, I read something recently that said the Dead Sea is coming alive because fresh water is now flowing into the Rift Valley expanse that has been unable to support life since the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah thousands of years ago. And fresh water fish have now been seen swimming in the surrounding sinkholes that have opened up in recent years at the sea made up of 33% salt has been receding. Prophecy is being fulfilled physically, but it's also being fulfilled spiritually because wherever the river touches, life starts again. Sick people are being healed. Depressed people are received. Depressed people are receiving joy. Addicts are receiving deliverance. Prodigals are waking up and coming back home. Territory the enemy used to have control over is being turned around to God. But he's waiting on us to stand up, open up our mouth, and start speaking life. Watch this. The third thing is the more it rises, it gets more abundant. Ezekiel 47 and 9. And wherever the river goes, every living creature that swarms will live, and there will be very many fish, for this water goes there, that the waters of the sea may become fresh, so everything will live where the river goes. Now watch this, John chapter 21. After the death of Jesus, after his resurrection, the disciples go fishing in the same area, or some believe, the very same spot where Peter and several other disciples were commissioned by the Lord to become fishers of men. 
They fished all night on the left side of the boat, and they caught nothing. And at dawn, Jesus identified his identity remained hidden from the disciples temporarily. And he asked if they caught any fish. He's standing on the shore, and he says, hey, have y'all caught any fish? Jesus is still unrecognizable to them. They're depressed. They just saw him die, or they just heard about his death or witnessed it. And they said, no, we ain't caught anything. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you'll find some. Are you ready? By convention, the right side of a map is east. The water flowed out of the temple, and it flowed to the east. And God told me to tell somebody, you've tried fishing on the left side of the boat and doing it your way for too long. And the Bible says when they threw that net on the right side of the boat, they literally began to catch so many fish that the net almost began to break. Somebody needs to hear me right now. There's abundance getting ready to come into your life. And, and, and when he realized, when Simon Peter realized it was Jesus, he jumps out and he swims to Jesus. And it's almost as if Jesus was telling him, Simon Peter, I know you messed up. I know you thought I was dead. I know you thought it was over, but I'm alive. And Simon Peter, I called you to fish on the right side of the boat. Simon Peter, I called you to be a soul winner. As we stand, and please hear me, before the final cycle of events mark the end of time, before all the wrath of the Lamb is poured out upon this earth, before the last day sermon, storm, there's going to come a mighty wave of wonder. Literally, I'm telling you, there's going to be such a, a harvest that it's going to be year around. But here's what, here's what I've got to do, and here's how I've got to close this thing out tonight. I need you to please listen clearly. clearly. Preacher, how do I know how deep I am in the water? Number one, if you've got a lack of concern for the lost, if it no longer bothers you to be around lost people and pray for them and witness to them, today we've got to deal with that because you, you're, you're steadily going backwards to the shore. Secondly, if you've got complacency, if you have self-satisfaction with the status quo, if you only come to church to take up space and be a seat warmer, I'm glad you're here. I'm thankful for, for you being here. But if I was a preacher that was just after numbers, I'm in trouble when I get to judgment. I don't want numbers. I want people that I'm challenging to go deeper into the spirit of God because we've got to present a bride to Christ. Number three. If you're hiding or covering secret sins, if you haven't given him every avenue of your life, if you find yourself covering or excusing your sin or rationalizing it, today you're in danger of going back. Here's another thing. If you have an unforgiving spirit, listen, what they did to you is not fair and it's not right and it shouldn't have happened. But what we do to Jesus, we should never do. But the Bible says he forgives us every time we ask. And we're not Jesus, but we're supposed to represent him on this earth. So there's some things that I've got to forgive people that may not deserve forgiveness physically. But in order to release me into my destiny and go deeper in Christ, I've got to let some things go. Look, I'm not covering up the abuse. I'm not defending that person. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost ministering right here. But it's going to hold you captive, and you'll never be able to go deeper in Christ as long as you hold on. Being filled with pride. 
Listen, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Pride and vanity were the cause of Lucifer's fall. You've got to be aware. If you've got pride in your life, you've got to go deeper. If you're puffed up and you think you're superior, we need humility and we need revival. And here's the last thing. Animosity toward other Christians. It is said that we can pick our friends, but we cannot pick our brethren. The only thing that can hinder the river from flowing is if we become a divided body that is not unified, praying together. If the river is going to arise, there's got to be unity in the body of Christ. We don't have to agree on everything. We can practice Matthew 18. We can sit down and have a conversation. But if the river is going to rise, I cannot. Because here it is. More people leave the church over disunity than anything else. We've got to be willing. Conflict resolution is healthy. And we've got to be willing to grab somebody and say, hey, look, I don't want all in my heart. And I don't want you to have all in your heart. We've got to work together. We may not agree, but we are part of the same body. We're going to make it happen. Because if not, the river will never flow. Well, preacher, I'm happy in the kiddie pool. I don't want to go deeper. Well, you'll never backstroke in the kiddie pool. You'll never know what it's like. As the Spirit rises in your life to take those things that are holding you captive. So this is what I want us to do. Right now, we're not going to have an altar call. I want everybody to lift your hands in this place. And if you've got any of these things in your life, if you're battling any of these things that can be keeping you from diving in, I want you to lift your hands and I want you to say, God, I surrender. I want you to say, God, heal my heart right now. Come on, I want you to go ahead. You've got to stir up that river of living water today. If you've been, never been filled with the Spirit of God, today is your day. If you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, today is your day. But I need everybody in this, everybody in this building, every believer, there's a challenge that is going forth. We can even either settle for ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep, or we can dive all in. Come on, I want you to, for the next 30 seconds, I want you to lift your hands high, and I want you to let the river flow. Come on, there's a flash flood warning in the spirit right now. There are some things that are going to be lifted off of your life that has been holding you down. Come on, everybody in the house, everybody in the house.